God, thank you so much for who you are and for all that you've done in our lives. God, this last song that we sang, Living Hope, may that just be our prayer this morning, that you would be our living hope, God, that we, you are what drives us, you're what, what gets us going in the mornings, that uh, God, you are our living hope. Now, this morning, as we open up your word and dive into scripture once again, God, I just, I pray as I do every week that you would speak through me this morning. That you would speak through me. The words that would come out of my mouth would be your words and not my words. God, no one came here to hear from me today. We all want to hear from you. And so, God, I just pray that you would uh, just bless this time. Move in our hearts and minds. Allow us to hear from you, be challenged by you, and shaped by you this morning. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we have, uh, we've been in a series for the last three weeks uh, called Gospel Above All. Uh, looking at the, the gospel and uh, how we can put the gospel first and foremost in our lives. It kind of stems from 1 Corinthians as Paul is talking to this church in Corinth in chapter 15. And he says, I, I preach to you what I believe was first importance, that Jesus died uh, on the, uh, that Jesus died according to the scriptures and he was raised to life on the third day according to the scriptures. This is the gospel. This is what is first importance in our lives uh, and first importance uh, over everything, over every single thing in our lives. And so uh, for these first three weeks, we've really been talking about how the gospel changes us, how the gospel shapes us. Uh, the first week we talked about how the gospel saves us, that the gospel is the gospel that saves us. It's where we find our salvation, that God, this holy, just creator God, looks down on humanity in their sin and decides to do something about it, sends his son Jesus to earth so that you and I might be restored to Jesus, restored to God forever. We'll dive in just a a little bit deeper into that this morning, but I just want you to remember this, that the gospel of Jesus Christ is the gospel that saves us. But it's not just the gospel that saves us, it's also, as we talked about week two, the gospel that transforms us. We looked at Romans chapter 12, that this, this gospel, uh, Romans chapter 12, he says, therefore, my brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, the, offer your bodies living sacrifice, don't conform to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Remember, this, this transforming power is not something that we can do on our own. This transforming power is something that happens through the gospel, through the spirit, through God. God is the one who transforms. God is the one who renews us. It is not something of our own doing. Gospel saves us. The gospel transforms us. The gospel, as we talked about last week, sends us. We looked at the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28 last week and talked about uh, the sending that each and every one of us have. If we have said yes to the gospel, that we have this command of Jesus to go to make disciples, to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, to teach them everything that he has commanded us. This is Matthew 28. Uh, This is this command. But once again, we cannot do this ourselves. This command in Matthew chapter 28 is sandwiched with the authority that we need and the power that we need to be able to accomplish this mission. Jesus starts the great commandment with, uh, you know, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. So therefore, go. And then at the end of this command, after he says, teach me everything to obey, everything I've commanded, then we have the Holy Spirit in the picture saying, surely I will never leave you even to the end of the age. I'll never leave you. 
We have the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit that allows us to do the mission that God is calling us to do. We are saved, we are transformed, we are sent by the gospel. That's what we have talked about over the last three weeks. So today, uh, we're going to kind of dive into a little more of the specifics of this sending. The, the theme this week in our small groups and, and today is talking about gospel evangelism. Uh, I, I'd, I'd almost want to re, realign this and just talk about gospel urgency, that there is a, there's an urgency that comes with the gospel, that our goal as we go out and we make disciples is to, to share this gospel with the people that we see. Our goal is to go out and to, to spread the gospel. This is, this is what we are supposed to do. I mean, I'll just put it real simple. God's desire is that the whole world would come to know him. And he accomplishes this by using you and by using me to go out and to spread the good news. Isn't that amazing if you think about it? Because this is something that God could do if he wanted to. God could literally just snap his fingers and every single person in the whole world would know who he is and would have a chance to respond to him. That's not how God operates though. God chooses you and me and he sends us on this mission to go and to make disciples. It is our responsibility to be the hands and feet of Jesus and to go into the world and to share the gospel, to spread the good news. And Pastor Chris, I don't know what, I don't know how, I don't know what to say, I'm scared, what will people think? I just want to remind you this morning, I left you off last week telling you this, you have a story to tell. You personally have a story to tell. You have good news to share. Every single one of us, if you have said yes to the gospel, has a story to tell, you have good news to share. What is this good news that we have to share? The good news is that you and I can be restored to God. This is the good news. This is the gospel. Uh, you and I can be restored to God. There is a, there's a catch, though. You and I can be restored to God only through faith in Jesus Christ. You and I can be restored to God only through faith in Jesus Christ. This is the good news that we go out and we share. I mean, I'll just unpack this for a second. You and I can be restored to God. How amazing is this? That you and I have an opportunity to be restored to God. This is the goal, this is the whole goal of the gospel. Uh, the goal of the gospel is not happiness, it's not joy, it's not peace, it's not satisfaction. The goal of the gospel is not even eternal life. The goal of the gospel is God. None of those other things are bad, they're all good things. As long as your eternal life is in the right place. It's all, it's all good things. But the goal of the gospel is God. I have asked you this question multiple times. If you could have heaven, but Jesus was not there, would you still want to go? See, the goal of the gospel is God. It's not just the, the gift of God. It's not just the gifts of God. It's not just the, the, the good things that come along with knowing him. It is, it is God himself. The goal of the gospel is to be restored to God. I mean, we saw this in, in the very first week of our series. What was the whole point of the gospel? The gospel is that God, this holy, just creator God, sees us in our sin and sends his son Jesus so that we might be restored to him. This is the goal. This is the end goal of the gospel. We can only be restored to him through faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, what, is this, what does this look like? Well, I want you to turn with me to Mark chapter 1. 
Uh, Mark chapter 1, verse 14 and 15. If you're in our pew Bibles on page 858, uh, we'll, we're going to kind of move around a lot today, uh, but you probably knew that coming in. So, uh, <laughs> But this is where we're going to start in Mark chapter 1, starting at verse 15, or 14 and 15. This is actually Jesus. Uh, this is Jesus at the very beginning of his ministry in Mark, kind of telling people what it looks like to come to faith in him, to come to, to follow him. Verse 14, after John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. Now, I want you to hear this. The good news, that is gospel. That's literally what gospel means. Gospel means good news. So Jesus comes into town and he's sharing the gospel. And he says this. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Repent, believe. Repent and believe. This is what it takes. Repent and believe. Repent and believe. We can come to be restored to God only through faith in Jesus Christ. What does that look like? Repent and believe. Repent literally just means to turn from our sin, turn from ourselves, I mean, this is not just even a, a lot of people think this whole idea of, of repentance is just a New Testament thing. It's just kind of a Jesus thing. It's, it's actually not, right? This is, a, this is a thing that people, that God was calling his people to even in the Old Testament. In fact, if you want to go there, you're more than welcome to uh, Ezekiel chapter 18. I'll just, I'll just read it for you. Ezekiel chapter 18, uh, verse 30 and 31 says this. Therefore, you Israelites, I will judge each of you according to your own ways, declares the sovereign Lord. Repent. Turn away from all your offenses. Then sin will not be your downfall. Rid yourselves of all the offenses you've committed and get a new heart and a new spirit. Now, I got to tell you, that could come straight from one of Paul's letters right there. Repent. Don't let sin be your downfall. Repent and get a, get it. He says, get a new heart and a new spirit. Hold on. The Holy Spirit's in the Old Testament. Yep. Repent. Don't let sin be your downfall. Repent. Get a new heart and a new spirit. This is, this is what he's talking about here as we come to faith in Jesus Christ. He's talking about we, the very first thing here is we need to be repentant. We need to, we need to confess our own sinfulness. We need to understand the, the sin that has been in our lives. We need to acknowledge, as we talked about in week one, that I have rebelled against God. That I have se- I've been separated from God. That I am, I am dead because of my separation. I'm dead in my sin. We come to this realization of our sinfulness and we, we, we need to confess it. We need to come and repent to God. I love this quote by C.S. Lewis. We don't come as bad people trying to be good people. We come as rebels to lay down our arms. That's how C.S. Lewis talks about Repentance. We don't come just as bad people saying like, I've been bad, I want to be good. We come as people who say, I've, I've turned against you, I have gone my own way, and I, I lay down my arms. I'm yours. We need to, we need to repent. We need to put God at the, the center, saying, it's not about me anymore, God, it's about you. Repent. But we can't just stay kind of in our repentance. We need, to, we need to believe. We need to trust in Jesus as Savior and Lord. We need to repent and believe. You can go to Romans chapter 10 with me. Romans chapter 10, starting at verse 9. If you're in your pew Bibles, 974 is where that is. Uh, Romans chapter 10, starting at verse 9, says this. If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord 
and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This is the good news that we go out to share as we tell people about Christ. That we can be restored to God only through faith in Jesus Christ. That as we we come to know him, we repent of our sins and we trust in him, we believe everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This is the truth, number one here, that we can be restored to God only through faith in Jesus. This is the good news that we're sent out to share. That God's desire is that all would come to repent and believe. That all would come to repent and believe. We need to share. This is an urgent message. This is an urgent message that we need to get out. You know, some of us, we've, we've tried, we've tried to go out and we've tried to share and, and it hasn't gone well for some of us. Those who try to go out, we try to share the gospel, it doesn't go well and so we kind of stop trying. Oh man, I just, I botched that try. Oh man, I, that person wanted nothing to do with what I was sharing. We've been there, I don't know. Uh, I, I want to encourage you this morning, don't let anything stop you from sharing the gospel. This is an urgent message that we have. The, 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 the urgency of this message is, cannot be understated. It, it really can't. It can't be understated. Actually, this has really kind of hit home for me just in the last three weeks, I think. This is the urgency of the message of Jesus Christ. You know, three Sundays ago, on January 27th, I was in the foyer, and, or I was actually in the Fellowship Hall, and someone said, hey, did you hear about Kobe Bryant? I was like, no, what's going on with Kobe? You know, and, and he had died in a helicopter crash. And I remember thinking, I really hope he knew Jesus. And I remember thinking that day, like, I just, there's, you just never know. I remember just thinking to myself, you never know. I'm not even a Laker fan. I'm not a Kobe fan. I'm a Suns fan. In fact, I'm a Suns fan, so I really didn't like Kobe, right? As a player, at least. I didn't like Kobe. He always beat us. But... As, he, as I watch the news and I see Kobe went down in a helicopter crash, my, that's my thought. You just never know. I, I hope he knew Jesus. The next morning, I was, uh, I was driving. And uh, <clears throat> I was driving north. I was going to get my truck washed. And I was crossing an intersection at Temperance and Gettysburg. And uh, a lady was very distracted. She was on her phone looking at her, her directions and went right through a red light smashed into my truck, totaled my truck. I walked out with not a scratch. I walked out just sore and stiff. And you know, the adrenaline of that moment, I think, stuck with me all day. Because I, you, just, you just never know. But I had just a second that night on the couch after I had just put my kids to bed, or at least laid them down and turned off the lights. I had this moment on the couch and I just, I think the reality hit me of like, you just never know. That could have been me today. If she hits me on the other side, <laughs> that could have been me today. You know, I, you, just, you just never know. I think just the, this, 
urgency of the gospel, I think just over the last few weeks has really kind of hit home to me because it's true. You really just, you really just never know. You know, you just never know, you never know when is your time and you never know when someone else's time is. Here's, here's the truth this morning that we need to understand that, that our eternal destiny and the world's eternal destiny hinges on their response to this gospel. It hinges on whether or not we hear these words. You can be restored to God only through faith in Jesus Christ. It hinges on our answer to that. Right, our eternal destiny hinges on all of this. And I just, just even talking about eternal destiny, I think we, we all kind of, I'm not hinting at something, and we're going to go there this morning, and we're going to talk about kind of the, the two different eternal options that the Bible offers us. Right, because option number one is, is pretty clear in Scripture. There is a, there is a, hell is a very real place for people who, who, who don't say yes to Jesus. It's a very real thing. That real place or whatever, that's, that's all debatable. But hell is a very real thing for people who don't know Jesus. I mean, Scripture is pretty clear all throughout Scripture that this is a reality. I mean, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 uh, says this, if I can get there. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 8 and 9. He will punish those who do not know God. And do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. Yeah, people might object. That's just, that's, that sounds a lot like an Old Testament God. That sounds a lot like just kind of a New Testament teaching. You know, show me where Jesus says that. Show me where Jesus talks about hell. And to that I say, all right, let's go. Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10, verse 28 says this, do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather be afraid of the one who can destroy both body and soul in hell. Or Mark chapter 9, starting at verse 47. Sorry, we'll actually just start at verse 43. If your hand causes you to stumble... Cut it off. It's better for you to enter life maimed than with two hands go into hell where the fire never goes out. And if your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off. It's better for you to enter life crippled than to have two feet and be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to stumble, pluck it out. It's better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell where the, worm that eat that, where the worms that eat them do not die and the fire is not quenched. Timothy Keller, who's one of probably the most... Uh, intellectual pastors that I, that I read and know, says this. If Jesus, the Lord of love and author of grace, spoke about how more often in a more vivid, blood-curdling manner than anyone else, it must be a crucial truth. Well, pastor, I just don't know about all the imagery. You know, I just feel like it's, is it supposed to be taken literally? Is it supposed to be taken symbolically? I and mean, where do we go with all this, this imagery in here? I mean, am I literally supposed to cut my arm off? What's going on here? Like, well... I'm not sure that it matters. Because whether it's figurative or <laughs> it doesn't it's not a place you want to be. Because here's really what it means. It's being eternally separated from the God who made you, created you, and 
desires restoration with you. Whatever you believe about, whether it's a, a real place or whether it's just eternal destruction or, or just a final destruction, or whatever you believe about it, it's this, that you will be eternally separated from the creator God who wants so desperately to be restored to you that he sent his own son to die for you. I mean, it's, I think, just, just not, not understanding the, the, the gravity of this does a disservice to our message, I think. We have to understand that. And understanding that, there has to be an urgency here. Because every single person that you see is going one of two places. The reality is that, yeah, the scripture does talk about hell a lot. The other reality is it also talks about heaven a lot. And heaven sounds like just an amazing place. Because heaven uh, is a reality for those who have put their trust in Jesus Christ. Philippians chapter 3, starting at verse 18, says this. For as I've often told you before, and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction Their God is their stomach and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. That just sounds amazing. But you go go to Revelation chapter 21, the very end of this is the very end of scripture. Revelation chapter 21, starting... At verse 1, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. There was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and will be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. This is a picture of heaven to come. And what is this a picture of? It's a picture of restoration. It's a picture of us being restored to God. It's kind of, we've come full circle now from Genesis chapter 1 and 2, where God creates humans, he creates them in his image, puts them in a garden, and is with them physically, walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Genesis 1 and 2, and sort of 3. Three is a different story because that's where sin enters the picture. But then you have Genesis 1 and 2 and you've now come a full circle to the end of the story, the end of Revelation. And what happens is that God, we have a new heaven and a new earth where God is now dwelling with his people once again. And he will be their God, it says. This is a, this, we've come now full circle and God has now restored everything to himself. This is, this is the gospel. This is the restoration that, that takes place. This is, this is good news. This is what we are sent out to share. This is, this is everything right here. This is it. I mean, do I recommend leading with the whole heaven and hell thing? Probably not. I wouldn't lead the conversation with, do you know where you're going? But it's definitely some place to get to. I mean, I, I, you have a story to tell. So what, is this, what does this look like? I mean, uh, we've talked, I mean, really, this is week four now. We've talked about the gospel 
probably four different ways over the, over the last four years or four weeks. It's our responsibility, as we're talking about this week, to go out and share the gospel, this gospel urgency, this gospel evangelism. What does this even look like for us to begin to evangelize? What does it look like for us to be able to go out and to share the gospel? Well, I think just practically, here's just, here's just some things. First thing, this is going to sound more obvious than it is probably we need to be around people who don't know Christ. In order to share the gospel and to spread the gospel, we need to know people who don't know the gospel. Uh, this, is, this is huge. I mean, we have a tendency, especially in the church and in other, you know, we have a tendency to surround ourselves with people who believe the same thing and think the same way. And so it's kind of a stretch to be able to say, like I said, it sounds more obvious than it is, we need to be around people who don't know Jesus if we're going to share Jesus. Does that make sense? <laughs> I think so. I, we, we have, it's important to know unbelievers. In fact, the, the small group video this week is, gonna, is talking about some practical steps, uh, and I, I didn't steal from there, I promise, but he says this, uh, he says, it's a good goal to have an unbeliever in your home at least once a month. I think that's a great place to start. We need to, we need to it's a good thing to know people who have the same beliefs. It's a good thing to, to be in a small group and have a church who, who is there to, to encourage you and there to kind of understand where you're coming from, to, to push you, to follow deeper. But we need to go out and be around people who don't know Christ. This is the very, if we're going to share Christ, we need to know people who don't know him first, right? It sounds like a really obvious place to start, but it's harder than it looks probably for most. I mean, think about it. How many people do you know? How many people do you surround yourself with that don't know Jesus already? How many people do you hang out with that don't already know Jesus? How many people do you see? And, and here's who I'm talking about. I'm talking about Neighbors. Talking about coworkers, talking about friends and friends of friends. We need to be intentional about knowing people who don't know Jesus. Here's the second thing. We need to just look for opportunities. Look for opportunities to, to insert our, our faith into the conversation. And again, I'm not talking about like, you're talking about the all-star game today, you're talking about sports, you're talking about something, and then all of a sudden it's like, do you know where you're going? No. But in, in, the, in the pace of normal conversation, someone says, you know, I just, I'm, I'm really struggling with this coworker, I don't know what to do. It's okay to say, like, can I pray for you for that? Here's how, here's how God brought me through a similar situation that I was in a couple of years ago. And just, just find these opportunities to inject your faith in God and the Bible and Scripture into your conversations. Talk about what God has done in your life. Talk about your church, something that you heard at church, something that, you, that a friend told you at church. Or talk about you know, an answer to prayer that you got the other day. Or just, just figure out a way to look for opportunities. Here's a question for you in this, in this area. If you had one minute to tell me how Christ has changed your life, could you do it? 
If you had one minute, if I said, all right, you have one minute, go. Could you tell me how Jesus has changed your life? Could you tell me about something that he's done in your life recently? One minute is about what you have in a lot of cases. Could you do it? Now, further than that, could you do it in five or ten? Some of you are like, I don't, I don't know if I could do it in one, five, or ten, because I don't know what I would say. That's something to think about. That goes off of our question last week. If you have an opportunity to share Jesus with someone, do it. All right, this, is, this, is, this is where we need to be. So look for opportunities. Talk about the church. Talk about your prayers. Talk about uh, answers to prayer. Talk about something that God's been doing in your life. Talk about something that you saw God doing in their life. Talk about just, just make sure you're looking for opportunities to insert your faith and the gospel into a conversation. So first thing, you've got to be around people who don't know the gospel to be able to share the gospel with people who don't know it. <laughs> Second thing, look for opportunities in your, as you're in this relationship. And here's the third thing, when the time is right, when the seeds have been planted and they're willing to talk to you about the gospel, we need to do it well. I love this acronym about sharing the gospel, it's just call. It's, it's calling them to trust, calling them to repentance and trust and faith, call. What is the C? Clarity. You need to be able to to. to Speak about the gospel clearly. Who is God? Who am I? Who is Jesus? What is sin? What does it mean to be restored to God? Can you talk about this in a way that, that clearly, clearly gets across the message of the gospel? We need to, to clarify the gospel. That is the C and call. Clarify the gospel. A, we need to ask intentional questions. Ask intentional questions. Does this make sense to you? Am I, am I speaking clearly? Does, does this make sense what I'm trying to tell you here? Do you have any questions? Ask, ask intentional questions. Have, do you know what it is to repent? Have you done this? Have you heard of this from another church before? Have you, have you repented? Would, would you like to? And know how, if they say yes to that question, would you like to repent? Know how to lead them through that process of repentance. Here's the first L. Let the Spirit work. Let the Spirit work. Nine times out of ten, when you share the gospel, you will not have a response in that moment. You need to be able to let the Spirit work in that person. You have planted seeds. You have hopefully spoken clearly about what the gospel is. And there's, a, there's a quote in this week's video. He says, it's God's job. It's God's job to convert them. It's our job to share the gospel. I'll say that again. It's God's job to convert them. It's our job to share the gospel. We've got to let the Spirit work. Let the Spirit move in their lives. Let, it, let the Spirit kind of move in them and, and teach them and kind of pull them, let them process everything that you have said. It doesn't have to be done in this one moment. You are, you are planting seeds. So let the Spirit work. Second L in call is this. Lead them as a new follower. You do a disservice to someone if you share the gospel 
and just leave it there and don't lead them in the next steps. You need to lead them. If you invite someone to know Jesus, you have, you have clarified the gospel to them, you know for sure that they have asked for repentance, you know that they are sincere in their desire to follow Christ, the Spirit is working in their lives, if you just drop it right there, you have dropped the ball. It is our responsibility, as we talked about last week, to make disciples, to teach them to obey everything that I've commanded, to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is our, this is our call, this is our mission. That mission starts with evangelism, but it does not end there. We need to help them and lead them and disciple them and mentor them on their way in. And I say this knowing this, none of us have made it. You are not leading from a place of completion. You're not leading them from a place of, I've been there, done that, and now I'm, now I'm good. No, you are on the same journey that they are now on. You might have some, some overlapping uh, experiences, but it's your responsibility to lead them in this new life that they have committed to with Christ. Call. So, three things. Get to know some people who don't know Christ if you don't already. Second thing. (laughs) Second thing, look for opportunities to, to inject your faith, to inject the gospel into everyday conversation. Third thing. Call. Clarify the gospel. Ask intentional questions. Let the spirit move and lead them. Here's my, here's my final thought for you today. It's a question. Who's your one? Who's your one? Who's one person in your life that you could be praying for, that you could be just praying to God that he would open up some opportunities for you to share with that person. Who's the, who, I, I want you to think about this. Who is one person in your life that you want so desperately to come to know Jesus Christ? As I'm praying, I'm going to pray in just a moment. I, I want you to just pray with me that God would give you that one. That God would show you someone that you, that you have in your life or that you need to be praying for this is, the, this is my one. This is my one. And I, I hope you'll commit with me to praying for your one. Praying that they would come to know Christ. Praying for opportunities that, that you might be the one to even share Christ with them. Who's your one? Who's your one? But it doesn't stop there. Because we are called not to just one, but to the world. But here's the question for you today. Who is your one? Let's pray. God, thank you so much for today. Thank you so much for your gospel. Your gospel is the gospel that saves us. It's the gospel that transforms us. It's the gospel that sends us. And God, would we just, would we be a sent people this morning? God, you have sent us out to to make disciples, but God, we pray this morning that you, as you send us out, would would give give us someone Give us someone to go to. God, I just pray, even in this moment right now, that you would just, just show everyone in this room their one. Who is their one? Who is the one that you want them to be praying for? Who's the one that you want them to just seek after? Who's the one that you want so badly to know? 
God, would you just give us opportunities to, to speak to our one? Would you give us opportunities to, uh, to share the gospel with our one? Would we bring our one to know you? God, this is the goal, that we would, that we would go out and, and share the gospel, that we would go out and, and just share you. God, help us to, as we have opportunities to share the gospel, help us to do it clearly. God, this week, would you even give us opportunities? Would you give us an opportunity this week to interject our faith into conversation? Would it plant seeds? And would your spirit move and work in their lives? God, the whole goal of what we do here today and every day is that the world would know. God, help us to to succeed in this mission this week. Help us to go out and share. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? And as you do, let me just uh, say a word of blessing over you as you go. May our God, our God who sees you in your sin and sent his son to die for you, our God who has saved you, transformed you, and sent you. May he go with you and ahead of you this week into your workplaces, into your homes, that wherever you may be, you would, you would sense the call to share the gospel. And may he give you the boldness and the courage to do so. May you make a difference in your community because of your faith in Jesus Christ. Go and the power of the Spirit this morning. In the name of Jesus, amen, amen. Thanks for coming this morning.